0: what's going on boys and girls we have a terrific episode of two white lights for you today i had on the program my coach to recap my performance at midwest primetime joe stanick joe tsa very similar to the episode we did after the arnold where we recap my prep we recap the meat lift by lift and we talk about our future plans and This is not only extremely beneficial for me because, you know, it's, you know, a podcast about me and my performance and what we're going to do for our offseason and, you know, any future meets that we have, but it's going to be very beneficial for the listeners because I know for a fact people listening to this program are wondering who they should hire as a coach, what type of coach they should get, who they should trust, and This is great evidence on why I picked Joe and why he is one of the most, if not the most trusted coaches in the USAPL, because he clearly articulates and he breaks down the adjustments he had to make for me when things weren't going according to plan. And that is huge for a coach client relationship. That is massive. And he did an excellent job. I won Midwest prime time. I won best overall lifter. And I wouldn't have done it if he didn't give me the game plan on how we need to adjust when th- when we're going through some struggles, when we're hitting some roadblocks. And we did this prep. We definitely did, and he was able to game plan where I was able to be successful. So, again, very beneficial for you. I love talking to Joe. It gives me a great idea on what I have to do in the future blocks, in the, in the prep that is going to happen for the next meet. Don't know what that meet's going to be. But it's always a treat to talk to Joe Stanek. But before we get into this extremely informative and beneficial episode, got to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to LeftLarbros.com, Use that promo code 2WL10 to get 10% off of your order on all of their merchandise. And I love their merchandise. You know I love my baseball tees, my favorite thing that they have. We got the two white lights, gym Banner, which... People have shown interest in buying still. I love seeing that. You can only get that on LeftLarBros.com. And those compties that they just dropped, I'm telling you right now, best-looking tee in the game right now, and you can quote me on that. Again, use that promo code 2WL10, and you will get 10% off of your order. Also, go to Rivalist.net. There's that little green check mark, informed choice, that is very important for drug tested lifters to have that because you don't want your pre workout to be tainted by anything. And they have the informed choice check mark. That is huge. Use promo code Angelo15 and you will get 15% off your order on Rival Us. Also, go to lift.net. I only use stoic gear on the platform and in training. Use that promo code Angelo10 and you can get 10% off of your order. On stoic gear merchandise. Also, on iTunes, hit that subscribe button, give us a five-star rating, leave a review. Those are very important for the show, and I really love that people are actually doing that now. Uh it it helps. It helps. It helps more people listen to the show, and that's what we're trying to do. Get more people in the powerlifting world to listen to two white lights. And we're not only available on iTunes, we're also available on Spotify. So without further ado, here it is two white lights
1: oh baby i like it oh yeah baby i like it yeah. oh oh baby i like it oh maybe i like it oh show me show me your show me your give me the mic so i can take a walk off on the natural chorus bone for yo-
0: and as promised, I got with me a person who is becoming a regular on Two White Lights, and being the coach of the host of Two White Lights has its perks. You kind of get to cut, you kind of get to come on whenever you so please, especially when you're talking about a meet that I specifically done. Joe Stanek, what's up, man?
1: Nothing much, dude. Just uh, sitting here in my my office. I think they
0: one of my favorite people in powerlifting. It's going to be a good time. All right. yeah, That's good to hear. Well, um, and, you know, just competed, so the time has come to do another one of these recaps. I think I've done it for every meet I've done since I started Two White Lights, whether it be just solo or with you. And this is actually good for me, this episode, because this actually gives me an idea what we're going to do for the next prep. So when you guys are hearing this episode, this is my first time hearing all these things from Joe. We really haven't discussed a whole lot of details, uh, discussing my next prep and really uh, breakdown of my performance. Aside from, hey man, super proud of you, good job. That was pretty much our breakdown of um, of the me, Not not really uh, analyzing it too much. So um, I guess we'll start here, because uh, this is this this is a good way to start like any sort of recap especially leading up to a meet our goals going into Midwest prime time. We had a number in mind. I discussed it on the show many times. I discussed it with many guests. Um, What did you have my numbers at to hit at this meet when we started prep like 14 weeks ago?
1: So I I was thinking that, that that 800 kilo total was going to be there. man. Um, You know, looking at the numbers that you kind of had in the cycle previous Uh, and especially not even just the numbers, but like the way that you executed the lifts and the way in which, um, your lifts were kind of going upward. It just kind of seemed like that linear progress was going to continue. Um, and and that's not to say that you, you haven't made progress of course. Um, but I think, I think that that was, was just sort of the ultimate goal, not to mention like, you know, that that's sort of the, you know, the, the, the total that's being passed around on social media, right, that everyone's like, oh, well, you know, you, you need to cross that 800 kilo mark uh, to, to sort of submit yourself. Um, so, you know, it, not that I, I let outside factors necessarily uh, influence my judgment in that case, but I, I think that, you know, it, it was it was definitely a reasonable goal. Um, and and to be honest, I, I, I still stand by the fact that I think if, if, you know, certain circumstances were a little bit different, I think you would have had that. Mm-hmm. Um so I, you know, we we built a cycle kind of based around that idea. I've got the the whole thing up in front of me and, and all these different notes on it. Um, the the main thing that I wanted to address with this cycle, starting off, uh, at least in terms of the squat, uh, was your sort of limitations with your high bar form and, and essentially being able to grind through repetitions uh, that you wouldn't necessarily be for. being able to hold your position is kind of always been uh, a limiting factor in pretty much every high bar squatter that I work with. And I think that's, that's no exception for you. Um, you know, it's high bars, just a, a tough, even if you're not like a full Olympic high bar squatter, just any sort of position that isn't like a true low bar is kind of hard to grind through. Um, so, you know, we, we kind of started off doing these heavier pause squats as a means to, to cover that as well as tempo squats. Um, Bench press was kind of kind of just something where I started to see a, a sort of pattern in your adaptation to bench. Um, it just kind of seemed like if we went with moderate to lower repetitions at relatively high number of sets, that you seem to adapt well to that. Um, so we, as a means of like sort of limiting the uh, the load across the the cycle on certain days, we just kind of threw in, uh, different like pauses and tempos as a means to make sure that you weren't hitting something too heavy every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with deadlift, we just kind of took the, the usual route that we, that we always have where one day is, is a little bit more of a higher rep one, um, because that's worked well in the past. Um, and we did do at the beginning, we did some beltless pause deadlifts as a means of just kind of limiting the load a little bit more, but also getting some, uh, some training, uh, effect out of that, that, that was positive, um. Now, I could go on on that, but that was just the, the sort of general thinking as to how the cycle was set up. And, and just based on, on what you had done uh, previously, these were admittedly all relatively small changes. The actual number of repetitions that you you did uh, really didn't differ a whole lot from previous cycles. The actual volumes that you were doing weren't, well, I should say volume in terms of like sets of reps, uh, not necessarily sets times reps times weight, which is how most people define volume. Um, it, was all, it was all relatively similar. And uh, as such, that was just kind of a means of, I, I know you just had Candido on here, so his, you know, his interview is kind of fresh in my mind. Great episode, by the way, man. Um, uh, I think Candido, uh, when he talks about it on his, his most recent YouTube video about coaching himself, uh, he makes a really good point that you, you don't want to change too much uh, if something is effective. And so that was kind of my thought here, was addressing small things with even smaller changes and seeing what we can do. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I say and then I was uh I was pretty happy with some of those changes that you made. They weren't drastic or anything. There wasn't anything that we were doing that was way out of the ordinary. Um I guess maybe the uh we we did a little bit of conventional deadlifts uh, grouping that with our sumo deadlift which was I think the biggest change. That was the only time I've ever did a technique change um, in a block. I I haven't even done that previous, you know, when I was following online templates, but yeah, the, the the changes that you made and all the um, the variations and the self limiting movements that you made were, I, I thought, extremely beneficial. I felt more comfortable in those positions, and I would have thought, you know, fourteen weeks ago, I was thinking like eight hundred is a real possibility. Uh, we would have to, we would have to nail a nine for nine meet, which is really difficult to do. You would have to do, you would have to go perfect for the day, um, and hit, and hit weights that we weren't really I would say we're close to but not as close as you would like just from meat to meet um you know because yeah. if if we had to hit 800 what would you have to hit what well, it was 280 squat 175 uh, needed- bench and then three
1: we would have needed a if we for like ultimate numbers I think one I think 280 175 and uh 345 is 800 something if I'm doing the math correctly, let me see. Uh, yeah, that's 800 exactly.
0: Yeah, um, see, so that would be a pretty big kilo jumps on every attempt, aside from deadlift. Really, you're going yeah. uh, you're ten kilos on squat, ten kilos on bench, and then uh, five kilos on deadlift for, for overall progress, which is feasible. It is doable, but that's still a, you know, it's it, it's still a hefty order at the beginning of a prep. Just knowing that that's the end goal. For sure.
1: Um, and I, I did really quickly. Yeah, you reminded me about the conventional thing. The, the conventional thing is, is interesting. Um, so I what the reason that I did conventional was I, I actually, I literally took exactly what we did the previous cycle, but I had you do it conventional. Mm-hmm. So the exact same, like literally the exact same load on the bar and everything. And the reason for that was it was literally just a way to um, add stimulus and, and essentially almost, almost use it as more of a, a uh, hypertrophy type exercise for uh, for the, the movers of the deadlift. Um, but the way the way in which you're increasing the stimulus is literally just range of motion. You're you're increasing the, the stimulus a little bit. I also I think I, I commented this to you at the beginning of the cycle. I, I thought the conventional would have a decent you know just trade off just because your your sumo is just it's so narrow so it has a, a conventional like Movement pattern to it, Mm -hmm. Um, and again, I I would still. I don't think that that was a bad move at all. Uh, I I think that it it made sense in the context of what we were trying to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, um, I think all in all, we like this. The way in which this cycle was built, I don't think that we we missed the mark by any means. Um, Do you? How do you? How do you want to break this down next? Do you want to sort of talk about like the? cycle overall and then kind of go into um you know the the little like hiccups and things that that uh we like the adjustments that we made that sort mm-hmm.
0: of deal yeah well i mean th- throughout the cycle you know when we we're doing it everything was progressing very nicely it looked more and more each week like we will hit an 800 uh kilo total uh based on you know people have seen me trained they're like this you know your prep seems i was the dms before the meet and the interactions i had with a lot of power lifters, who i respect greatly it's like your prep looks awesome like everything looks great you're making progress and everything and you're you're not you you're not going too crazy on some of the numbers that you're hitting even though i would disagree with them on occasional lift um i think towards four or five weeks out i think some of those deadlifts i was doing was maybe a little bit of an overshoot where it might have been taxing on me just a little bit but throughout the cycle was good and then Uh, about four weeks out there was some changes you know in uh kind of my life that dictated my training overall I think we rebounded and made the adjustments uh properly um I I had to have covered it on uh when I did when I had Steve DeNovi on the show but yeah like four weeks out um I had to start a labor job um Stanley Steamer uh disc discount cleaner and um I I worked there and uh Different from my normal job, which is in education, and then different from what I was doing in the summer, which was you know waking up, making the small amount of money that I could make, and train. So any sort of change like that, especially with a labor job, is going to fuck with your training just a bit. And I it happened. I think I got hired at the almost the absolute worst time of the program or, or the block because it was at the yeah a, a week of uh, an intensification phase. That was real high volume, real intensity uh, driven. Where where you put it to me on a video, those two things cross. The intensity and the volume kind of crossed, and you, I was gonna like, be feeling. Literally, the worst. Yeah, I was. I was feeling. I was gonna be feeling fatigue anyways from that that week, regardless if it was a new job or not a new job. Uh, but the new job def- definitely didn't help anything. So I was working like at least 10 hours a day, sometimes 14 hours a day, and then I would get into the gym around 8 or 9 o'clock and try to hit my numbers then. And it really, it's something that people have to deal with, and I think towards that, like, second or third week into our uh, our peak, I've adapted to it pretty well where I was comfortable with, you know, going to the gym at 9 o'clock and getting out at midnight, 1 o'clock, uh, finishing on my deadlifts then. But it was at that time where... <laughs> it was it was during the time i hit that 744 deadlift and then seriously everything after that just it it, it kind of went downhill as far as how everything was moving including the same day deadlifts yeah. like uh Stop. like we were we were supposed to hit um a triple like 672 I, i'm like i don't know i'm like i can't do that right now like my back was fried my upper back was fried we dropped it down to like 650 and then even our back down sets were much lower than I anticipated, Uh, probably like five kilos lower than I anticipated, five to seven kilos lower than the bench session that Friday did not go very well. It was the shittiest bench I've done in my life. It got up, but it was the shittiest bench I've ever done in my life. I'm actually ashamed when I look at it again. I'm actually like, I, I cringe looking at my bench. I'm like, that's the worst thing I've ever looked at. And that's coming from my bench, like the bench that we used to work with that had no arch. And I was just trying, I was just going on, you know, bro science and bro lifting completely. Uh, and that one was worse. Um, and then, you know, squat, we loaded 584 on the bar. I completely missed it on strength. It wasn't really a technique thing. I just completely missed it on strength. And that was two and a half kilos lower than the previous week where I hit 590 for like an RP seven and a half, eight. So Mm -hmm that week had, we had to reel it back a little bit and for a good reason and good thing we had that scheduled deload right after that where we can reel things back but this was uh this was a good um this was a good learning I hate I I don't want to use the fucking clichés that lifters use so I'm going to try to dance around them but the reason why they're clichés is because they're true i used that week as a learning experience where me and you could talk and really get to why i was feeling that way and how we can improve so that was used as data that's my cliche that i'm using and i hate myself for it but it's true in this sense that that week was important for us to really kind of game plan what it was going to be like for the next three weeks
1: yeah and so like there's there's a few things that i i think just in general hitting on for the people who are listening to this that are, are probably um probably just contextually speaking are, are, are important um, when you, when anyone, not just you, but when anyone has a major disruption in the way that they live their life, um, that's, that's going to cause whether you like it or even if you're good with dealing with stress, that's going to make your stress levels increase, you mm-hmm. know, no matter what. Um, so combine that with the actual stress of training. And, it, you know, it makes sense that we we ended up having a really poor result. Now, I know, again, I know when you were talking to Candido, you said that um, it, it, you thought it was mainly the deadlift that fried you when it came to your missing your squat. And I think while that was definitely a contributing factor, I think that I would more place the disruption and change in your training schedule and life ahead of that mm-hmm. just because um, you also struggled with bench, Right. Yeah. Like if if it had just been the squat, I would be like, okay, the main factor here is the demo. And and that and that was the issue. But in this case, I think because bench was also a struggle, I think it was just kind of that sort of universal fatigue that comes from having a new labor-intensive job compared to where you didn't have any labor on your feet before. Uh, there was probably a disruption in your usual nutrition schedule. And in fact I know there was a disruption in schedule, uh, and then also having to go to the gym and train late compared to when you were training. Mm-hmm. Uh, combine all of those things together, and I think that you kind of have a recipe for disaster. Um, so, the way that I approach this, and I, I, I hit on this uh, with you a little bit, but the way that I approach this, besides the deload, which Admittedly, yes, it does suck that you had that job uh, during the the heaviest week of intensification, but it was awesome that it coincided with the deload. Regardless, if we hadn't had a deload planned, I probably would have stuck one there, regardless. Um, But the way that I I planned this out, this is probably the most unique peak that I've written in a very long time. Um, I actually, I continued to increase the intensity of the top end sets. Uh, but what I did differently compared to normal is I really backed off on the absolute intensity uh, of your backdowns. So we just kept increasing the essentially the sets that were important. We prioritized those, and your your backdown sets just in terms of the overall absolute and relative intensity went down. So for those that don't know, relative intensity is essentially just uh, how close to the maximum number of, or the the maximum percentage of your one rep max within a rep range uh, can you do? Like for example, um, I keep a, a chart here on my, my PC, but the, uh, Just to give you a weird example here, uh, the maximum number of reps that the average individual can do for three reps is uh, 91%. So that's considered like 100% relative intensity for uh, the three rep range. So in a normal peak, relative intensity uh, would, would continue, or excuse me, would go down. But absolute intensity would continue to increase. So that's just the actual weight on the bar. But for you, this time around, we had them both going down, which to me was the best way to deal with stress while also keep the or while also keeping the specifics of the peak, like the important top end sets, while still keeping that sort of fitness, the ability to lift heavy weight high. Um, and admittedly it worked. You know, you you were able to to bring it around on on all three of the lifts. Um, but I do think that had that disruption not been there, I think we we would have been able to trend a little bit higher um, with a slightly different essentially what we normally had done for a peak i think we i think we'd probably been able to to trend more towards that 800 kilo mark as a result i think i think you just would have been able to hit heavier weights on on all the lifts and and honestly probably gotten more out of the peak that
0: way because then we wouldn't have had to have uh decreased relative intensity as well Mm -hmm. and while that like i said while that did kind of
1: decrease your stress overall and allow you to kind of execute through the the peak and feel a little bit better. Um, I do think that it sort of took away some of the effect that peaking might normally have, if if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now I I do often say to a lot of my lifters that being able to just kind of tie your heaviest lifts from training um, is always good. But just traditionally speaking, you know, I've peaked you a few times now and we've always gotten a little bit out of the peak regardless. Um, So to kind of see like, that not necessarily happened this go around just makes me sort of think that for the future, um, just overall stress management is, is going to be huge. Uh, but we, at least this way, we sort of have like an emergency strategy that we know will at least allow you to kind of carry forward your heaviest lifts that you've
0: done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was definitely different, different from the last peak for sure that we did for the Arnold. Um, that was, uh, a lot more specific, a lot more, and I and I noticed with the back downs that it was of something a little bit more manageable that I could do. So, yeah, that was that was one thing I noticed, and I think I think in in the in the end result, it was the most beneficial thing we could have done. And I and I liked the decision going forward with that. And then I mean, and then those with the overall feel of my workouts, like every single lift during the peak, which I think we only really got two weeks in of like um, some higher intensity workouts in, uh, prior to the meet, uh, my body felt, you know, a hundred times better. It was like, if we're going to go on percentage, I was like running on fumes, you know, the, the two weeks before, and then towards us hitting like the, you know, the RP six and a half on squat bench and deadlift, and then upping it to RP eight and eight and a half. My body felt a whole lot better. It was just a fresher feeling going into the gym where, you know, I mean, it was the same workday where I hit 606 on squat, same exact workday that it was, you know, the previous three weeks that, you know, fucking sucked. And I really, at that point, was drained to go into the gym. It was, you know, 8, 8.30, I got into the gym, around 9.30, I hit a 606 deadlift, and it, I mean, a 606 squat, and then we still had heavy bench and deadlift after that. So it wasn't exactly uh, an easier day at the office, but it was, my body was eventually adapting to the to the changes that we're making. So, um, yeah. it was, it was, it was, uh, working in that sense. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I will say, I think if we maybe had one more
1: week to, to, uh, take you through the peak, we also might've gotten a little bit more out of it because you're, you're right in saying that we didn't necessarily get to, to touch like the absolute highest intensity I would normally take you to. Um, so I kind of just sort of split the difference mm-hmm. and, and gave you some eights and eights and a half, uh, I think. I think. Again, in the most in in most cases, I think that would be that was. I think it was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it wasn't it wasn't perfect, but we were dealing with something, and that's, you know, unfortunately, we don't live in this vacuum as powerlifters. You know, we we just we have to sort of roll with the punches with this. Um, and admittedly, as much as I like, you know, I wanted like the perfect day for you, like I, I do with every athlete. If there was one meet that I had to pick to not have the absolute perfect day, this would probably be one. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it was obviously for for money, and, and it was a cool meet that Steve put on. Uh, but you know, if I would much rather have it happen here than at like the Arnold or Raw Nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, so and and you still won the money, which is is very cool. Yeah. Uh, so do you want to you want to talk about the actual meet itself? Yeah, now? we can
0: we can go right into game day because you you know you segued that perfectly into the meet itself because going into that week I felt great uh, that Wednesday and the same very, very similar feelings with the Arnold. I'm like when you hit that last lift on Monday. Of uh, RP seven and a half on squat, you're hitting like, it was a 550 for a double, and mm-hmm. then for four, I hit I think 518. I'm not sure.
1: You are correct. I have yeah, in front
0: so we hit that. And then when you, when I hit that exercise, uh, when I do that workout, and thinking like I got to compete on Saturday, it's like, how's my body gonna respond? I know that the plan is always there but i'm still always like man and then we had to work you know the next day with um, a rel- it's a much lower load and lower intensity lift but like after a tuesday your body feels it that you just did a you know relatively strenuous exercise those two days and then that wednesday i felt great and then the thursday when i actually drove out to missouri i felt even better so, at that point, I'm like, all right, so same thing as the Arnold. I feel great. Uh, the, dri- the drive there obviously sucked. Seven hours, but you know, that's why I drive out two days in advance. So right, it, I was can- seven, it
1: was a seven-hour drive?
0: Yep. So, Shit, dude, I yep. didn't realize it was that far. <laughs> yeah, so I stopped in St. Louis first. That's four hours away from, um, from Chicago. Um, stopped in St. Louis first, lifted, hit my last lift on that Thursday, and then drove uh, another three hours to Springfield. So yeah, Springfield is southern Missouri. So you're like getting on Oklahoma, Arkansas territory when you're down in Springfield. So yeah, just because someone says Missouri, if you're in Illinois, doesn't necessarily mean it's close. People like states have states have some width to them sometimes. So it was a long drive, but you know that, that Thursday got to bed pretty early, and it felt great Friday. Um, then on game day, I was I was disappointed. Actually, one of the things I was disappointed the most in was the weight loss that I suffered from working the manual labor job because I was trending pretty nicely into the 82s, into the 82 uh, kilo range and close to 83 at a certain time. And then once I started working, like, ah, oh God, I was eating I, – I was trying to eat, like, a pint of ice cream, like, after work to try to get some you. calories in. I hate you yeah,
1: so much. Yeah, it was
0: serious. Like, uh, when I got home a few times, a pint of ice cream before bed, and I would wake up, like <sighs> – at 82.3, and I'm like, God damn it. And then I knew we were going to be lighter on meat day because we cut off food at, what, like, 7 o'clock or 5 o'clock, like, 14 hours yeah. from the meat. So I knew it I was f- going to wake up super light. It,
1: admittedly, like, we it's not like we cut any calories or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, I don't know. I just, the, that, is, that is the one thing that, like, I wasn't sure if we should do that or not, but yeah. I knew that if, you know, e- even if we didn't have the perfect day uh, that the weight loss would help you win the money. Yeah. Admittedly, if you had been uh, 83 kilos versus what you weighed in, your good lift points might have been a little bit lower. Yeah. Um, so, you know, those those kilos that you might have not have been able to put on the bar might have mattered a little bit okay. more. Um, so I, I think it was the right move for a
0: Oh, like yeah, this. for sure. No, it was right. I mean, it was a full day of eating prior to 5. Like, me and my girlfriend went out for breakfast in the morning. I had my lunch. Uh, I had my dinner. I drank about a gallon of water. Like, it was... I was fully energized and fully... I just... And then I weighed myself at that time. I was, like, 82.9 with all that food in me. I just knew, because I know, like, if I cut off eating for... Because I was eating at, like, midnight, a pint of ice cream and a full meal, and then I would wake up lighter. Like, if I get a full night's sleep without, you know, eating at midnight again, I'm going to lose weight. I'm like, I just know this is going to happen. And it wasn't... Again, it was a very similar to the Arnold where we woke up at the same weight. I felt fantastic. I felt, you know, fully energized. I was able to eat. Uh, I had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, a banana, and some pasta before weigh-ins. I got there, I had another banana, and I was 81.6 getting on the platform. So, like and, and also my weight, my scale is a bit heavy. Okay. So, we got we got to take that into consideration like going forward. My weight is a uh, 0.4 Kilos heavier than the uh, the both competition ones, the Arnold and the one they used at Midwest Prime Time. So I think there's a trend there that my okay. weight that my uh, that my scale runs a little heavy. But yeah, but when you do that in the morning, you know you're I, I just feel in good shape to compete because I already had breakfast before you know everyone else did, and it's I think it's still the right move. I I think just a personal goal for me because I really tried to gain weight and I was gaining weight. That when we saw that loss, I'm like God damn it but Um, we'll just do the same same thing next time.
1: Yeah. I think, um, and this, we'll we'll talk about this a little bit more in future plans, but yeah, I I do, I do think that, uh, being able to, to be a little bit more on point with your nutrition is definitely going to play into, uh, your success in in these, these future cycles. We've, Mm -hmm. I I don't know if everybody realizes like how much room you have in the class still. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get towards future plans. Mm -hmm. Um, so let's, let's go, uh, let's go lift by lift and, and I'll, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll just kind of get my take on it. Uh,
0: now no, I, I admit, admittedly, uh, I was asleep for squats. I figured because, yeah, it was like, know, it was like six o'clock your time.
1: Yeah. Like I was, I was, <laughs> uh, it was Saturday morning. I was, yeah. and, you know, admittedly I was not worried. Um, but so uh, this is the one that I, I do have the least context on at the moment, other than like the videos that I've seen. So how did, how did squats feel on the day? And, um, I know so we originally had had uh, 280 is, is what we thought our, our maximum attempt would mm-hmm. be. so that's that's not too bad that's, that's like two and a half percent over what you hit in training your heaviest lift that you hit in training. so I, I didn't think it was an unreasonable goal.
0: Um, I know I do remember Garrett saying uh, he felt a little bit uneasy after your second. so take me take me through mm-hmm. each of your attempts and,
1: uh, and what just what you were thinking.
0: Yeah, so I, I guess you could say almost the same thing as the Arnold, but the third attempt didn't move as fast as it did at the Arnold, where the third attempt looked much better my second. And even I took a step back and was like, whoa, okay, we undershot there just a little bit. And I usually don't do that. So that's what happened at the Arnold my third attempt with 270. This time, I, I guess it was the same thing. I hit my opener. was, It felt great. Uh, my second attempt was a bit slower, and then Garrett asked how I felt, and I gave him the, uh, eh, I feel good, like, kind of thing. So he put in 275. So I had a bit of a play. Uh, I had a bit of a factor there in telling him that I b- wasn't feeling so hot to go to 280. And then when he put 275, I'm like, yep, I could, you know, that, that makes sense on the, the appropriate jump. And weighs 275, 606, moved. It was good. It wasn't as, you know you know, a smoke show as 270 was at the Arnold, so it was it was a bit heavier, but I do feel like we could have probably put on two and a half to five kilos on that lift, grinded it a little bit better, and been kind of right on point with that, with that number, but at the end of the day, though, it was over 600, it was a good milestone, put me in good position, and I was still happy with the squat because we didn't blow our load, and I knew if we would have went 280, it would have been real trying really trying to grind that one out and possibly, you know, over overextending stars just a bit for the next two lifts. So um yeah, it wasn't like the Arnold in the sense that I looked at, you know, Garrett or in this case in this case Garrett when I looked at you at the Arnold and shrugged and was like, Sorry I moved it that fast. Um right. it wasn't it wasn't that way at this meet where I was like, all right, that was I know exactly what would happen if two seventy seven or two eighty was on the bar. Yeah, so I, I it, looking
1: looking back on it, I, I definitely like, didn't disagree with, with Garrett's call, um, and I, I also want to say, Garrett, if you're listening, you did a fantastic job, man, uh, definitely would endorse you as a handler for yeah. pretty much any athlete.
0: Yeah, also, I want to add this in, too, because Garrett did an excellent job handling me, he is a fantastic handler because he screams out things to you on the platform that make sense. And he screams, a <laughs> yeah, he screams a shit ton when you're on the platform. He's a lot more high intensity than you are, and I think everyone, based on you know them knowing Garrett and seeing his Instagram videos, can kind of guess that. But when he he knows the lifter that he's handling, or at least in my case, he knew me, and he was shouting things at me that made a whole lot of sense. Everything was instructional to get them like that's a big that's a big handling key. Just not you know, uh, screaming nonsense into my face and telling me to lift shit up. Um, he did a he did a fantastic. I would say the second best handler I've had next to you. Oh yeah,
1: thank you, man. that's, yeah. that's nice for you to say.
0: Yeah. Um, but Garrett's Garrett's say, awesome. Garrett's a yeah, fantastic handler. I recommend him.
1: Yeah, I, I'll also say this. Um, there, I, I do remember. We'll, get to this during bench, but I do remember him saying something about like you, you straightening your elbows more. Mm-hmm. And I, the only reason that I don't yell things like that at people is because then the judges are looking, you know? So that's always like what I, what I say to somebody right before they go on the platform.
0: Yeah. We, can, we can talk, that. we could talk about that on bench. Cause there was a reason why he was telling me that.
1: Oh no, I, I know. Yeah. I, I was, I was talking to him during yeah. that, but uh, all in all with squats, the, so this is, for, on my end as a coach, this is one of the things that I needed to ask you. So when we go back to before this cycle, we hit 272 at an eight RPE as as the heaviest lift the mm-hmm. previous cycle or eight and a half run. So compare if if you can recall, can you compare that last SBD day before we started this previous cycle to this one? And if so, um, what do you what do you think was the the big difference maker here? Do you think it was just a Purely a matter of you know we had this big stressful event happening in your life mm-hmm. and, and that's why it was a little bit harder to, you know and we had to adjust the strategy as such. Uh, do you think it was it was just the taper itself took like it took away a little bit too much mm-hmm. and you you didn't feel as good on the day? Um, what what do you think um, was the big difference maker?
0: Yeah. So are you telling me that last SBD day on both blocks, not the competition?
1: So I'm I'm talking. So we we started this this meet prep in June. started this meet prep in June. Uh, So in the first week of June, on Saturday the 14th, you did an SBD day. And uh, essentially that that week, I had you hit singles at eight on all of your loops. Just as our our sort of, well, actually eight and a half as far as uh, bench press goes. And you hit 272 at what you called an eight and a half RP, Mm -hmm. uh, which looking at it was probably about on point. Um, So so to me, uh, not that, you know, again, not the not the two and a half kilos is is bad. I, I you know, I, of course, we were just before this. We were thinking, um, you know, as a result of what your lifts were like last last cycle, we we were thinking, okay, you know, he's probably going to have more than that. But you know, we were only able to top out at two seventy two. So, do you think it was just a matter of, you know, it was just a rough cycle, you know, life and stress wise, and, and you. You know that sort of culminated on the day, like we were able to kind of get what we could out of it. Do you, or do you think it was specifically at the peak? And I'm only asking you this from like like don't overanalyze it too hard. Mm-hmm. I'm just asking you from a subjective perspective. Where where do you what do you feel about that? And I'm asking this because I need to know going forward mm-hmm. if it's just more like you know I need to I need to keep a certain level of intensity in for you, and that'll you know we'll, we'll have to adjust other factors if things start to feel kind of shitty
0: um that's kind of what i'm trying to tease out yeah yeah I, I i get it so i would say you can't really ignore the fact that it was a completely different way i was lifting from that 272 that i hit to the 275 uh, main point was just the you know full full ass work day and then going into the gym at 8:39 8, o'clock so that has to be a factor in it and all but during that it it was kind of it was very similar right the how the previous site uh, the previous one was because we didn't do that up into a prep. We just did that it wasn't and we were work, we weren't working RP9s were not working rp 9s we were just working RP eights and eights and a half at that time. So they're very similar in to two the only change was the fact that I had a completely different schedule that we were going to. So th- that has to be the biggest factor for me. Um, and I think if we extended that peak out just a little bit more, I think 277 could have felt could have fallen in training. Which would put us five kilos over, and then during a peak, 280 on the platform. So that's right. the, yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking right now, as far as comparing the two. And it was just, and also I mean the the the, set, the other block too was kind of weird because we were hitting 90 percent of it in my gym, uh, my basement, right? And then we sure. got into surge, and like kind of the kilos were you know throwing me off a little bit, and just the overall feel of the weights because. It does happen to a point where, you know, you kind of get used to that that Texas power bar as opposed to the Ohio power bar and all the calibrated plates. But I would also factor it in. I start to – I notice this that happens, and I don't know why. I got to do a better job of this as an athlete. I start to get your cues better late in all my fucking blocks. It happened with Bench last time when we did the Arnold. Where you were constantly telling me the same cues, and I just wasn't getting it. And then the last two weeks, I got it a little bit better and made improvements. This time, it was the same thing with the squat, where we were focusing on minimizing that bar roll. And I felt like towards the last two weeks, I was doing that a whole lot better than I was the previous like six to seven weeks. So, yeah, I I would, and and it's a weird, and it happens every single time. I would even say the same with my deadlift. You do tell me like very similar deadlift cues. I don't know why it starts to click later, um, in my preps. So I don't know. That's, that's one thing that I've just noticed that could be a factor, but. I
1: just need to babysit you more.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you do, (laughs) that's a funny thing. We do the weekly check-ins and you tell me the same cues. And I just don't get them until you know the like latest possible time. Yeah, it, admittedly, if you if you want me to feel you know this this goes for this goes for any athlete that feels like they're not grasping cues, you know, from a coach. Like, if you feel like it's just not there, you can
1: tell me, and I can try to explain it differently. Than that. Like, that's uh, you know, I'm I'm not like so so bothered by the fact that you might not understand what I'm trying to communicate. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. So so we kind of know. We, we know what we need to do going forward besides just general life stress management as best we can. Um, we kind of need to get you on, get you on the, on the way to, to um, just essentially a more normal squat cycle for you. I think is going to make the biggest difference um, because I, I do think that you have like had this, had this stress had this prep in general gone a little bit differently, I think you could have gone as high as two eighty five, two ninety, to mm-hmm. depending on, on what we, we, we'd gone. Like that's kind of where we were trending with some of the, some of the singles or excuse me, some of the, the heavier sets earlier on. Um, but then that, then, you know, that stress kind of, kind of started to interrupt you there. Um, all right. So on, on bench, arguably the most successful lift of the, uh, the prep. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in as much shock as, as you are. Um, you know, being able to—I mean, not technically speaking, because you have the colors and everything—but being able to slap three reds on the bar and, and do that uh, pretty damn convincingly was was awesome. Um, so, take me take me through bench, man. How did you how did you feel on the day for that?
0: Yeah, I felt great on bench. Uh, it was another one of those things where bench felt like shit for a long time. fell out of losing my groove a little bit on it, and then I kind of started to nail down those cues like a week out. Um, but I also think just the I actually think the way I felt on bench prior to you know starting a new job was that w- that was actually one of the biggest differences I felt because prior to that that was the most confident I've ever been on my bench was uh, there th- was the initial phases of this block we were hitting some two massive two count co- two count pause benches um, they looked great I felt great too doing- I felt str- I actually felt strong doing a bench. Like, I felt more amped up to do a bench than i previously done in my entire powerlifting career. Um, so I actually think also the change of, you know, work, I think actually a little bit of weight loss there might have um, uh, been a factor on my bench. But the day, on that day, I felt fantastic. That was the first time competing on that Rogue, you know, that, that Rogue combo rack. So I felt, you know, locked in about as good as I ever have felt in competition before so um that that rogue that rogue combo rack is a game changer that's for sure and yeah that's i felt beautiful. great and i thought we nailed that i thought we nailed the uh all three attempts and i you know like the attempt selection of 170 um yeah. a little bit over what we hit previously at 167 five kilos over my previous bench and Mean and then when you, when you look at the progress that we made, I got stapled twice, two meets in a row by three forty seven, and you know we're able to. I think I think we're in a position to really open with that pretty easily. So um, yeah, we've made and, actually, and then Garrett told me this as you know when he handled me, um, <laughs> even though it wasn't the most true comment, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of loopholes that we got through. Um, he's like, how does it feel to close out a bench on a flight? And I was like, Well, granted if the flight is primarily five females and the two guys who have the biggest bench miss their thirds, then yes, it feels great closing out the uh the uh the, 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 the flight with the bench. But I I was yeah, the the bench that day was executed perfectly and I think the the perfect call was one seventy. Um we gotta find out like a variation that starts that start command because that's what I think uh that's the biggest game it's that's the biggest game day change on bench is not the pause. Everyone think it's the pause. The pause is easy. The start command is the most frustrating thing. So, yeah. like the start command kills me every single time where I'm like it feels like an eternity. And then I look at my gym lifts and be like, "All right, well, you got to just start. We got to get a legit start command on like every single variation I do, um, or at least every single uh be- heavy bench day that we do because I think if we can nail that and feel comfortable with that, we're good.
1: Yeah. So, oftentimes when I'm working with athletes, um, not just you, but I, I find that I, I just kind of have to assume that they're probably not going to get a lot out of their peak on bench press, regardless of their style, grip with, whatever, specifically for that reason, because they just they are not used to holding the bar there for as long as it takes to get Command, particularly with national level judges. Mm-hmm. Um, they just. It's just—it's just not a thing, you know. They—they they just don't do—they don't do very well with that transition. Um, so I, I do think, you know, just as a, a general tidbit for people, if you can practice holding the weight there before every set that you do, you're probably going to be way more prepared compared to the average individual, and you'll probably get more out of your peak back. Um, it's not something that I, I necessarily like impose on people, though, because for some people, it just doesn't feel you know, it it doesn't feel super natural and it doesn't feel like they're able to push weight as well. And I don't want to sacrifice, I don't want to sacrifice your confidence under load for just the start. Mm -hmm. But then you accept the fact that because you're, it's a similar thing, like, uh, not necessarily taking like super strict press commands, you know? Um, I, uh, I, I'm not going to sacrifice an athlete's confidence in their lifting just for, for the sake of doing a strict press command. Um, but then I'll, I'll be like, look, you can do this, but then we're probably not going to get a whole lot out of your peak. Um, so I, I think I think in the case of, of you this time around, man, I, I do think this was the best uh, that I've seen your bench peak, whether in a meet or, or outside of a meet. Um, we admittedly, like looking at it, I I would even venture to say, I mean, it depends on if you could grind it or not, but I would even venture to say you could throw a few more kilos on the bar on that third attempt that we had. It was it – was, it was good. I, I, if you could put on like, if you, if it was some kind of record and you could put on like three and a half kilos, I would think that would be like the perfect number. <laughs> um, but that to me, to me, that was, that was the best that I've seen your bench peak because compared to the Arnold where, you know, we, we tied our best bench, uh, from, from training and it was, you know, it was still a grind. This one, you know, you looked like you had some room, it was comfortable, um, and admittedly, I think if you, uh, like like I said before, like on, you know, like the opener and such, if you had like straightened your elbows a little bit more and got a faster start command, I think you you might have been uh, even better off. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know, I, I think that third attempt, really, just how it felt, and I, even how it looked, like, I just keep on looking at it, being like, I don't, I really honestly don't know if I could throw on an extra kilo on that one. Really? And that you don't think so? No, like... And I, I guess it comes down to um, well, I mean, at the Arnold, I grinded out that bench. So I guess I'm just not still used to grinding out benches. Where I I, don't know. I would have to look at it again now because now I'm starting to second guess my assumption from my bench because I I felt like that day. I'm like, all right, that was that was it. That was 170. Like 172 might have came down on my chest a little bit. 175 was definitely out of the question. Um, perhaps with the comp, the comp specific bench pressing, 272 wouldn't have been there, even though we were able to take 272 for a ride in just a variation, um, of bench press, you know, during prep. But, um, I don't know. I mean, hell, maybe, I mean, it it could have been a massive RP 10 grinder if I did 172, which you're saying three kilos, which that would make sense. You know, if you put two kilos on there, it's probably going to give you the same result, so, yeah. um, I think, well, so, I think just as a general rule of thumb, we're always off by like two and a half kilos, it feels like.
1: Well, admittedly, I think that's, that's like a good place to be in. Yeah. You know, like sure, sure, you're short two and a half keys, but it means you have room on the other lifts, you know? Yeah. Um, not that, not that guessing it right on the head is, it, it's sort of like the price is right, you know? Like if you guess it right on the nail, it's fantastic, but you usually want to be just on there. Yeah. I use the prices is right as a comparison for attempt selection a lot, don't I?
0: Yeah. uh i do you know, this is the first time i've heard it
1: yeah i, I talk about this all the time uh
0: yeah. i mean i, I get I, the I, reference i don't watch the show but i get the reference
1: i uh i said it to i said it in your uh video that i sent to you and, and Garrett on your attempt selection actually
0: oh i must have missed uh, it there too i don't know
1: <laughs> maybe but all right let's let's so let's get to the let's get to the big show man yeah so as far as deadlifts on the day, now we've already discussed this uh, a little bit um my uh, my good buddy uh, Yu Yu, Mr. Deadlift Panda, and I were actually having some back and forths about this immediately after you got done deadlifting, um, and it's funny. He was like, he was he was arguing with me, saying that like, oh, it must have been his back, and then when you posted that side shot, and you had like zero pack rhyming, I was just like, yes, vilified. Hey. Um, but so deadlifts on the day, how did they how did they feel compared to training, and then just maybe even just compared to in general. Uh, the Arnold, you know, just just give me give me where where in space your deadlifts are uh, compared to the rest of your 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 year with me uh, in this meet.
0: Oh, on meet day they felt great. Um, Cause and you know what, the, I I guess the the heavy deadlifts when we're hitting a one rep max in training as opposed to the meet is going to be always a little bit different because we are. We're doing squat and bench before we hit deadlifts and comp. Where in training we're hitting just deadlifts for that day. Granted, it's under fatigue, a lot of fatigue because we have a pretty, uh, a pretty heavy squat and bench session before that. So it's not completely different, but it's always always going to be a little bit different. Or actually, I actually think on meet day I feel better than in training. I think we're under a little bit more fatigue while we're training than on meet day. I feel I always feel pretty good when we're um, competing and. You know what, that? so that day, you know, opening with 700 pounds, that's huge. And the way that moved, I'm like, all right, that felt really good. Um, the second attempt, I thought it was going to be 335 kilos. I actually thought it was until I looked at mass cast, like when I was in the hole, and noticed it was 333 or 332. And uh-huh. I was like, all right, well, I, I still, I still like the call because I'm like, if I hit this, I'm probably going to win. Um, the best overall, and that's that's that was our first goal is to win best overall lifter and come home with some money. And you know, we all know each other in the Midwest, and I wanted to say I'm the best fucking lifter in the Midwest, so that that happened, so um, that was good. Um, and then I guess and that felt great too. Like, um, we hit 733 previously in training, I think it had to be six weeks ago or five weeks ago or somewhere around that time. And in comp, it moved way better than in training. Yeah. It felt, it it felt good, um, and, and this is, now, this is where I guess the, the, it comes in. 350 kilos, 350 and a half kilos is a lot of goddamn weight. For sure. And it was a big jump, and I knew we were taking that big jump, and I was like, alright, when I hit 750, um... I guess it was the same, almost the same exact feeling I had, like, thinking, like, this is a lot of fucking weight. And then we had to add 20 pounds to that shit. <laughs> so my head was in that state, like, all right. I remember thinking the same thing. I was like, oh, wait, it's 22 pounds heavier than what we hit previously, which is also, you know, a pretty big uh, lift. So I'm not going to lie. There was a little bit of doubt going to my mind prior to the, the lift where, you know, seventy seven, 770 was loaded on the bar. I'm like, you know, this is fucking way this is way faster of progress than i thought we were going to see um and when i lifted see this is the thing if i remember how a lift went it was too heavy uh because i don't remember how the li- the really good lifts i don't remember how they felt i just remember i just i just oh i just always see the judge give me the down command and that's about it this one i was lifting i'm like and i i'm, I'm not joking i felt every single ounce of 770 pounds like i felt it and when it was coming up slow i'm like all right this is going to be a grinder and i actually didn't think i got it past my knee i actually thought it was lower in that just based on how it felt because it just felt so heavy and you know uh yeah. and i try to you know and i remember trying to like i was wincing like i was making faces on the platform and again i don't usually do that I was wincing to try to get the weight up, and that's what I knew was like just <laughs> probably a little bit too much on the day, and uh, yeah. couldn't couldn't hold on to it. And I don't think even if I did hold on to it, I probably would have ramped the shit out of it. So um, yeah, I guess I guess that's the uh, the breakdown of my that third attempt deadlift, where I was and I was totally cool with making that jump because it was your strategic thing to do. We won the meet. There's really nothing else to compete, and that was the goal: is yeah. to win the meet going in. Um if i guess it was under different if if um if the record was not AT 772 by Isain, um is that how you pronounce his name i, I think so i it. always pro- it mispronounce it I, saying, I, that's I, I, yeah it is and he, yeah he's hungry. cool as shit <laughs> um uh, but, yeah sh- yeah sh- i've been what shouting him out mean? a lot recently and i'm and i keep on calling a fucking bastard for shattering the record not not breaking it like in 5 kilos but doing it by ten, so thanks, dude. Way to way to make it much harder for me. But um,
1: Hey, we love a challenge, dude.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, we do. But still, just have I shipped you use record. Show some respect, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Show some respect, dude. <laughs> um, I'm I'm joking. I'm fucking around. But like, uh, if that didn't exist, the number probably would have been 345. Garrett yeah. said, I think 345. You said 347. So you guys were off on, like, two and a half kilos. I probably would have went to 345, and we're usually off on two and a half kilos anyway. So that was that's what I was thinking, like, would have been the call if that dude didn't exist. You know what I mean? If that wasn't the record. If we were just trying to put some distance in my American record, that's what the number of would have been.
1: So there's there's a few things that I think um, we should we should discuss here that I think are on the point. The first is that I want to point out that we, um, when Garrett and I were talking about this, looking at your second attempt, we were like he hasn't. But Garrett had also put less weight on the bar. And again, I'm I'm not saying Garrett did anything wrong on the day, but just for from my particular attempt selection style, um, it's it's just not something that I always love to do unless there is a genuine reason why. He, you as the lifter indicate to me that your, uh, that your opener feels bad or that I see something visually that looks off for you, I'm always going to put the plan second attempt in Mm. because one that's going to then like, I, I, the reason that I plan attempts out the way that I do is that they just essentially like they, they allow me to, you know, take my best possible guess on how, on what you have on the day. Um, and looking at the 332, I was like, you know, it, it's it's in it's in the realm of possibility. The second thing that I should point out is, is yes, like of all of the um, of all of the the times to take this attempt, this this was the meat for it. Mm-hmm. There's no, other than money, which you had just won on your previous pool. There was no like there was nothing at stake. Yeah, I'd like to point out from a strategic point of view, we now still have the chip. We have that 341 chip for use in a competition where placing matters more. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, where you, well, I should say placing within your weight class matters more. So if that chip, like if we're able to take a 341 deadlift and win 83s at the Arnold because of that, versus, say, having to take 3, 342, essentially be able to hedge our bets, strategically speaking, that makes the most sense. Like like uh, at the Arnold this year with, uh, with Sam Calhoun. Back when we thought that the records were going to count, of course, she only put a certain amount on the bar rather than what she thought she had, because Matt Gary said, hey, we're going to need these chips at Worlds. And that's exactly my thought with this, too. It's like, sure, if we put it on the bar, then great. He's got this. He's got the all time best drug free pool in in 83. It's great. But it's not the worst thing if he misses either because strategically speaking, now we have this chip in the future versus having to take, you know, another two kilos uh, on top of, of that. You know, we wouldn't have to take the two and a half kilo jump. We can just put the chip mm-hmm. on if necessary. Um, and again, admittedly, like I still expect you to have the chip regardless the next time we compete because yeah. you're the best deadlifter in the class. Um, but I, I do think that, that was another sort of factor going through my head that made me think, it's you know, it's okay if we go for this. Um, but then the last thing that I, I wanted to point out here that I think, and we've already talked about this a little bit. Um, I think maybe there, there was either some misinterpretation on my end on something or on yours when we were going over some queuing, because I got the video from Garrett of your last warm up and I was like, this stuff seems a little more out toed and wider than usual. Mm-hmm. And I guess, I guess that. I, I think it was me that, that uh, essentially was like, yo, you need to do this with your toes, and I kind of meant the opposite. Um, so you can, I, I guess you could just blame this miss on me, man, uh,
0: because... Well, well I'm going to interrupt you, though. When I was doing the out, I think, because the cue was opening on my hips more, and that was big. Like, that, that cue immediately helped when you look at 744, and that, in my opinion, that wasn't the greatest lift that I've ever done. Um, it it felt, it didn't feel, feel good. It felt like I relied too much on my upper back strength to get that weight up, which I never want to do. But when we, when we attacked it in the next block and I opened up my hips a little bit with those toes, toes pointing out, things were moving a lot better for me. Now, could I have opened up my hips with my toes pointing a little more inwards? Yes, but that change I was making was working. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was being, it was beneficial uh, during that time. Yeah, but I, I do think um, I think that, that one of the reasons that that's potentially
1: problematic is because you're so used to uh, driving forward with with your force, right? Because you're, you know, you essentially pull like a, a sumo benchel type thing, mm-hmm. and because you were more out to what ended up happening is you you forced a little bit more hip external rotation. At least this is me breaking down this, this lift. It looks like you have a little bit more hip external rotation than normal. And the problem with that is that as as you bring the bar up concentrically, you have to have the opposite reaction. Your, your knees have to, have to kind of come in, right? Well, for you, because you're, you're used to kind of timing it a little bit differently, your knees ended up getting in the way, at least in my opinion, more than usual. And I think that's ultimately why you missed that. I don't necessarily think it was an issue purely of strength. I think it was just because you hadn't locked your knees at the right time and your hands were dragging on your thighs more than they usually do. I think that's why you missed it. Admittedly, looking at your your uh, record from the Arnold, you kind of did a similar thing then too. Um, you know how you, it, you kind of like, there was a little bit of a little sort of bar tilt right at lockout. Mm -hmm. That was because one of those knees was kind of lagging behind. So in terms of things that we're going to work on next cycle, uh, timing that knee lock a little bit better, just kind of getting used to almost, almost timing it maybe just a a fraction of a second earlier uh, is going to be something that we're going to focus on Uh, along with kind of, uh, at least I think kind of fixing the stance. So
0: it's a little bit closer to where you were during your arm compared to right. Yeah, I could. Uh, I, I I could agree with that. Anything really, um, as far as. I mean, anything as, as far. I it's, it's always a constant improvement that could be made. I tell it to a lot of people at Surge um, when they talk about my deadlift. Like, really, because it's funny. You know, when the differences between you know previous blocks, even with you, the difference between previous blocks and now, it's just when. I converse and tell people what happened during the lift when they're like, "Oh, 744 looked great. You should have done 750." It's like, "No, it's like it wasn't it wasn't a great pull. Like we're we're trying to work on things on opening up my hips up more a little bit and, you know, trying to make the pull more efficient. So, even with this even the changes that we have done because we made a lot of changes on the fly with my deadlift 3 weeks out. And it was still, and you know, it was trying to improve upon a uh, my best lift, really. So doing Which I that again, I normally would not do. Yeah, well, no, but it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a sweeping. Uh, technique changes. I, I, w- I wouldn't say, because I know, I know you're hesitant on giving technique changes. You know, so close to a meet, but it wasn't like a big. Okay, we gotta, we gotta start from scratch here. All right. So when you walk up to the bar, you got no. It wasn't anything of that. It was just a few minor things but we're still adjusting it as we go um it, it, and i mean and those things make a big big difference for me it,
1: it was one of those things where i was like he's just feeling off and it doesn't look like his normal pool." Mm-hmm. and that that was why that was why i was like okay we need to try something here um but yeah i think for me i think that that's going to be the, the biggest the biggest thing that we do is just just kind of try to recapture um, what your stance looked like then, uh, as well as, as, like I said, just kind of, kind of timing that knee lock just a little bit better. Um, that's, that is as much as I, I, I love your,
0: your, you know, frog stance sumo. That is one of the disadvantages of it is that you
1: just kind of, you, if you mistime your knee lock, you're kind of going to get fucked by it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So we, we went over the meat all, all in all, you know, we still PR our total, which is good. Yeah. Um, I thought, you know, we won some money and we've got in a position where I think even if we don't compete again until like, you know, even April or May of next year, we should be fine with getting into, into primetime, um, which is, is cool. I'm, I'm very pleased by that. I think I think that for the next few cycles uh, in general, I think we essentially we're going to kind of go along the lines of what I would do in, in anyone's offseason. Now, admittedly, I don't think that offseason work I think there's this stigma where you almost like people, people think that they need to suddenly become bodybuilders when they're Mm -hmm. doing off season work. And I I don't, I've never understood that. Like you're a power lifter. Why would you do bodybuilding? Um, but to me, the biggest thing about off season work is it's, it's almost like being, um, being a little bit smarter with your training because you don't have anything on the horizon sooner. Uh, like, Prioritizing more um, things that are going to prevent you from from being injured, I think, over anything uh, is, a, is a good way to put it. Because if you like, if you look at a typical meat prep, usually that's where people push the hardest. So I think just naturally in the off-season, you want to push a little bit less. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean focusing less on improvement. It just means taking away some of the things that potentially have higher risk uh, for a certain Mm -hmm. Um, so what I think that's going to look like for you just specifically on paper, at least based on the notes that I've so eloquently written out here, uh, is just, uh, do, do less, but do more. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I have written. God, you know, I, I I was going to be an English professor that Mm -hmm. was what I was going to be before I decided to go into exercise science. just (laughs) so eloquent. Um, but no, what, like realistically speaking, what I think that looks like on paper is, just overall, I think the intensity is just going to be a wee bit lower. Um, and I, I mean that in, in the sense of absolute intensity, relative intensity is still probably going to be high for you uh, because that's just a part of powerlifting. Um, we're also definitely going to, I, I'm thinking we might switch up your, your weekly microcycle just a little bit because I do think that that, um, that SPD day that we have at the end of the day isn't a hundred percent necessary if we don't have a week on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way that we would probably do that is maybe switch up the days a little bit so that that day would probably end up just being like a, a comp squat and uh, bench day. And then maybe the deadlift uh, falls a little bit earlier. Um, as a result, we, we might change up the way that that deadlift is as far as like the overall intensity of it because mm-hmm. of the, the difference in timing. Um, but the reason that I, I'm, thinking that that would be a good thing, besides just not necessarily needing to do an SBD day every Saturday. Um, I do think that we could fit in a little bit more accessory work, and I know that sort of contradicts what I just said about becoming a bodybuilder, but I do think that there is an advantage in doing a little bit more accessory work in your off-season just because it makes you, like I said before, it, it puts you in a position where you're a little bit more robust, a little bit less injury-prone. You're moving through more ranges of motion than just kind of up and down. Mm-hmm. Um So that's, that's the general gist of what I'm thinking plan wise. Uh, I do think on a lift by lift level, um, I already kind of went over what we need to do on deadlifts as far as technique goes. Uh, I think it's time for low Mm man. I think it's, I think it is time. Um, just because, to me, the thing that is ultimately limiting your squat right now is just uh, the ability for you to balance the, the weight over midfoot, and one of the biggest factors in that is upper back strength in the high bar squat. Um, and I, I think if you take that out of the equation by putting you into a low bar position, it's just gonna you know, it, it's, it's gonna come a little bit easier. Um,
0: it's of course gonna take some getting used to, but another good thing about off season is essentially just trying
1: things, right? Like we don't we're in a low pressure situation right now. We, we, as much as everybody like thinks, like you, you, always have to be on, and if you're if you're not moving forward, you're falling behind. Uh, off season is a good time to kind of experiment with those things because let's say you figure out something that allows you even more rapid progress, you're going to be right ahead of everybody else. So I think I think low bar, and then uh, with bench press, I think the main thing, uh, honestly, is just going to be uh, getting in some of those rep ranges that we haven't done in a while. Um, some of that higher rep stuff that, uh, we kind of ignored during prep. I don't necessarily mean we're switching all of your volume to higher rep, but I do think including at least a day of that, uh, because it, it's not like it hasn't been effective before. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that like ignoring a rep range is, is probably uh, a bad thing. Not to mention that because you haven't done it in a while, we could probably get a little bit of a novel stimulus out of doing higher rep benching. We could probably just, you know, reap some more benefits out of that. Um along with that, the stuff that we'll kind of keep similar is we'll still be, you know, we'll still be hitting heavy top sets. There's no reason not to do that. Like I said, you're a power lifter that that kind of keeps you adapted to the top end of things. Um, we'll probably keep, I I want to keep some of the format similar as far as some of the, uh, variations on bench looks just because it's been so effective. And I, I don't know that I I really want to change that up too much because Mm -hmm. it's been that effective. Um, and then with deadlifts, I actually, I actually think what we're probably going to do, as far as the structure of that goes, is, is we're going to kind of go back to um, a, a pause deadlift comp deadlift setup. Um, at least that's what I'm thinking at this point in time, uh, just to kind of continue to work on your your technique. Um, I think that the best way to work on that that knee timing is, is going to be like you know pausing it right off of the floor, and just knowing that boom, as soon as you go through that pause, you need to work on locking. It. Um, what what sort of thoughts did you have for the, the off-season as well as future plans?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I was expecting all those things. Uh, I know that you are a big... Uh, you, you emphasize a big proponent of accessory work and, you know, building, building that frame, building that foundation just throughout a... even throughout a prep and throughout the off-season. So, yeah, I was expecting that. Re- looking very much forward to that. Um, you know, getting... Getting maybe the missing piece of the puzzle, you know, out of the way. Um, yeah, I and I was more than more than expecting the low bar change to happen. I'm actually really excited to start that. You know, a new a new way to squat. And any time there's a possibility that I can get my squat higher, because uh, me and me and um Micah Marino had a conversation in the DMS um, of all the people. It's Micah Marino, but um uh, the a- anti USAPL guy from what it seems. But uh, he's, you know, we're talking about, you know, what it takes to be the best. He's like, we're talking about a deadlift. I'm like, well, I can tell you this right now. A 350 kg deadlift will not beat Russ. But a 300 kilo squat and a 350 deadlift might. So...
1: Dare, dare I say, man, I, I say we uh, we might be venturing towards that uh, mythical 363 kilo
0: yeah. Well, I got to hit I gotta hit the weight first before I need to talk about it. So, sure. <laughs> as that's like a total possibility. But, like, yeah, like, the, this continue. Here's the thing with that,
1: though. I, I don't, again, I don't think we were too far off from what your max was on that day. I think, oh, that, yeah. I personally thought it was about two and a half keys too much. Maybe it was five. Regardless, that puts you within, you know, within 20, 20-ish kilos of your, of uh, an 800-pound deadlift. Like, uh, that's if we do it slow enough, that's a few training cycles. Yeah. It's, it's just a matter of building successive training cycles. Yeah. And, and I admittedly, um, when I'm going to plan your next training cycle, uh, I'm probably going to bump your max up to around 345, 347 ish, because I think you would have had that on the day. And, and that's one of the dangers in like a, a singular day reflecting an entire cycle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not like you didn't have successive things. You know, it, it's, it's like, if you, if we had just gone, like, with a slightly different attempt, you probably would have made it. And then that would have been
0: it. Yeah. You know? well, know? Yeah, that, I, I've been telling this to, like, uh, just, you know, a lot of, after a meet, a lot of people will always ask you for your opinion on it and how you feel and all that stuff. And it's a very funny situation that we're in because, like, okay, if I would have hit 345, that's a 15 key total on a total. Anytime you get 15 keys on your total from meet to meet, that's a huge success. There's people who, there's people who regress who are great lifters, who actually take a step back in their total. Like a 15 key, like that would put me at 790. Um, What would that? I mean, is that like fourth all time in USAPL? And you know, uh, definitely in the conversation for top three at nationals. Like you're in you're in that conversation when you do that. So like it's funny the changes between just that one lift that you really wanted to hit. And then if you would have took a step back and seen that total – and I think – and that's kind of how I'm looking at it too. It's like, okay, we – and this is something Candido talked about the last time I talked to him, which was a really – it's like he talked about um, hitting like hitting a 600 squat with the possibility of a 606. For me, I missed a 770 deadlift with the possibility of a, th- a 762 deadlift. So – like that's that's how I'm looking at it going forward and that's still very good progress that you're making from competition to competition so uh yeah that's it's a that's a good way to really uh, approach things with it and I'm totally cool with you going with you know three 345 347 as the working as the working number for that one um and yeah it's just the funny the the changes in mentality too after the Arnold I wanted to bask in my glory for like three days now I just want to get on prep so yeah,
1: yeah, I, and I, I feel that man. I, I think that that's I think that you're you're different from a lot of other people, right? Like if you if you didn't um, like if you if you let yourself get down by just that last pull, um, you know, it, 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 you'd be a vastly different athlete. Yeah. And I think that that just sort of Thank speaks you. to your your ability to uh, to work and. and it's actually funny not to not to plug another podcast here but on the tsa podcast we were actually just discussing this about how, about the what makes an advanced athlete and being able to handle and recover from stress better is something that i think is is the mark of an athlete and i don't mean that in a physical way i mean in a mental way i mean mm-hmm. being able to to take to take hardship and to take things not going the right way uh, and, and using it as, as fuel for getting better i just think that it's and i, and I don't i don't think that's something that Genetically speaking, you just you just have. I think you learn that over time. Yeah. Um, But if you talk to every single top athlete out there, that's what they have, one hundred percent. So I'm I'm excited to see where we where we take this. Man, Mm -hmm. I I I really genuinely believe that over the course of the next year, we're going to be well into the 800 kilo range. Yes, it didn't happen at this meet, but I I feel like it's just going to be no problem next meet. Like it's it's just going to be there. We're not even. It's it, it's going to be one of those things where it's like, sure you you missed you missed three fifty, but you know next next meet if I have it my way, it'll be your second attempt.
0: You know, yeah. Hopefully. Uh, that'll be uh, that'll be a fun world to live in. Oh god, I can't believe like that's a great thing, and this is another cliche, but that is the crazy thing about the sport, where in March we were talking about seven fifty as like this number that. I when did when did you you set that. 2018, 2017. 2017? So that record wasn't broken for three years, and that was such a big number. Now it's 772 is the number that people have to get in order to have that spot that you once had. It's like that, and that was just I don't know. He gave me four months, five months. So so it's like now it's it's gonna it's gonna get to the point of chipping. You're gonna get close to 800 in order to keep that deadlift. But I think. Yeah. I mean, this is the same thing as last block when we go through. I was more excited to see what we were gonna do with our squat and bench. Really, um, because I know that's because the conversation always happens between, um, you know, what would you rather have—an all-time lift or this big total? I'm still on the like the side. I just I just want a big total. I really wanna I. The 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 argument or not the argument. The conversation always gets put to my deadlift, but. Like, I, I want to be a lifter,
1: not a not a specialist.
0: Yeah, I don't oh, know, and that, like the only thing that I'm thinking because I now have this like uh, vision of like I'm actually on like this top five track that I can possibly hit. So, um, that now it's like in the it's it, it's in the it's in the sights of me trying to push a total where it's either an all time total or I'm gunning for the top spot at Raw Nationals. Like that is now is <laughs> where my goal is shifting, which. After Nationals, this time last year, because we are approaching our one-year anniversary working together. Um, Shit, you're right. Yeah, right after Ron Nationals, crazy. I got you. Yeah, so it was so we're approaching that one-year anniversary. Um, this time last year, I was not thinking. I would have liked to have been in the conversation, if you will, and and not in the top five, in the top ten. You know what I mean? And I then, have- um, you know, progress from there. But now. We're having a conversation that I didn't think we would have, so that's good. Yeah, it's, good
1: it's it's my goal to get you on the world stage. That's that as, as as your coach, I'm gonna do everything in my power to put you there. If that means if that means beating Russ someday, that would be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think at the very least, we could get you as the uh, within the next couple of years. I think we could get you as the best second place lifter across the entire meet, which would qualify you for worlds. Mm-hmm which I I don't know if you know how that works, but essentially uh, when they go to fill the last spot on the team because of the the number of weight classes, when they go to fill that last spot, uh, they compare everybody's total based on something called the Carpino formula. And it's essentially they take your total and they compare it to first place uh, over the last, you know, however many years. And if you're, as long as you're, so as long as we can get your total, you know, sort of in that realm of where it was competitive at Worlds, over the last, you know, few number of years, there's a very good chance we could see
0: you on the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be, and that's a, another one of the huge goals that I had in mind. Which, again, uh, throughout my years of powerlifting, never thought it would be, never thought it will be the thing. I kind of got used to being a deadlift specialist and uh, being the guy known for making memes and fucking uh, deadlifting. But now it's we're actually getting into consideration of uh, the the powerlifting aspect, the total aspect, the entirety of the sport, which um is always is always the end goal so yeah i'm excited to move forward i'm really excited to get back on programming like i've been really chomping at the bit just to get back in the gym with some meaning you know not going in the gym to make sure monday i don't like fall apart doing any sort of exercise because that tends to happen when i you know take a break and i'm gonna be on a forced break because the gym's gonna be closed for three days so
1: not fun Um, one, one last thing that I did want to hit on, man, that I do think is going to be important is I do think that over the course of the next few months, um, we do need to make a conceded effort to make sure that your weight is actively going up. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I, don't necessarily mean eating ice cream at midnight, which by the way, I still hate you for that. Um, but I do think that we're, you know, there's a reason why all of the best lifters in every weight class do have to cut weight. And that's because generally speaking, as long as you do it right, um, I think that you know cutting weight and just naturally being heavier on the platform, it's just an advantage. Mm-hmm. There's just more of you on the bar. Um, so I, I, as far as that goes, like I'm not necessarily going to say like we need to like, you know massively push your calories or anything like that, but I do think that we need to to monitor it and make sure that we're not sliding back you.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And that was. Um, I mean, I guess I didn't bring it up because that was the goal last time uh, when we did our, when we did that recap after the Arnold. And actually, yeah. we made progress. I weighed in at eighty one point five at the Arnold, and I weighed in eighty one point six at this meet. So we're we're on we are linearly progressing here. We're we're on we're on that path. But yeah, I think I think we'll be good this go around. Um, I think we're making really good. We were making really. I mean, during the pandemic, I was sitting on my ass and lifting the entire time. So I guess that was a reason why uh, we. Uh, we're able to gain some weight solidly there, but yeah, that that weight that weight loss there towards the end though was a bit disappointing. But yeah, I agree, and I know it's gonna have. To, it's one of those things like similarly low bar. I can't be under 180 pounds every time I fucking weigh in, and want to beat Noriega, Russ, Delaney, Jamar, and all these guys coming up if they're all you know walking around in a nice 185, 190, some over 190, some over 195. So. Um, yeah, I, I knew that was going to have to happen. Speaking of yeah. which, when, when do you think we're going to step on a platform again? <laughs> Dude, that's... I
1: mean, essentially what I'm thinking is like March of next year at the earliest. And that's only, that's only if the Arnold happens. Um, Like if it if it doesn't happen, I think maybe more you know closer to April or May. And as much as I am normally not like a huge fan of of stepping away from the platform for too long, I think that in this particular case, just because we've kind of the last few meets we have kind of pushed a little bit hard, I think it's it'll be kind of good just to not have to worry about that quite so much Mm -hmm. and just kind of literally just focus on progress rather than you know pounds on the on the actual competition total.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. That's um, yeah. I I thought I thought possibly by March we would be able to get to Arnold back, but it, I have the same doubts I had for Nationals now. So uh, hopefully, I mean that'll be good, you know, March. But yeah, I'm you know April May would be a good time too. So um, so it's always good to work for something though. Because I agree. Now I'm kind of at the point where I would like to do at least three competitions a year um and stay and stay platform fresh the entire time but yeah i was just hoping you would have some inside information that the arnold's happening in columbus ohio but like in a basement somewhere like not like this big grand thing just like a like a blood sport uh off the off the record kind of thing but on the record still
1: See, I don't know, man. The way that they have the the whole hometown showdown thing set up for the Arnold right now, it's essentially the top ten totals in each weight class get an invite. So that would make it the huge, the biggest Arnold that they've ever had. Yeah. Um. So I don't know how they're going to.
0: Yeah, that would be way more lifters.
1: Yeah, I don't know
0: how they're going to do that. Oh, with they're not going to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with, with
1: all like the social distancing practices and things like that, I don't know how that's going to happen. I mean, especially across three, maybe four days, if you count like the the Thursday that they have some random right, events on,
0: and and the Arnold has to happen for that to happen, exactly. right? So the Arnold exactly. itself has to happen, which we were hanging by a thread last year, and that wasn't during the quarantine; that was prior. So, yeah, um, I guess I guess we'll keep our eyes open just in that March area for something that's not the Arnold, um, unless we get the super vaccine um, in in the next coming months, which I don't don't know, could, could happen. I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic in certain cases and that's usually with the most unrealistic things. Yeah, for sure. So, but Hey man, I'm excited. I'm really happy to talk to you again. I really like these conversations. It gets me motivated to get back in the gym again. Um, I am now a lost puppy when it comes to, um, like the weeks after a meet, where uh it's like, okay, what does Joe have to say to get me back fresh? Even though the game plan this week was much better than my previous weeks, uh of after training where I would just hit a stupid ass lift on a noodle bar and then take a break for about a week because I have nothing else to do, and then go into prep or you know, programming and just uh my body feels like it's falling apart on a Monday.
1: Yeah. and that probably wasn't
0: the best yeah. But this time, you know, we had two SPD days this week, all at, like, RP5s, and maybe, like, if RP4 exists, um, RP4s too.
1: You you had to sneak that in there, didn't
0: you? Yeah. Does RP4 exist? (laughs) Is that a thing? Like, under under 5 for me, actually 5 almost is like no man's land.
1: Technically speaking, yes. Um, so my my coach, Zach Robinson, which, by the way, you should have him on two white lights. I think he's going to be one of the next great powerlifting coaches in the world. Yeah. Um, he uh, he and his team over at Data Driven Strength um, use a, an RPE chart that has all the way down to RPE4 on it. And I have been assigned one before. Mm-hmm. Uh it was literally me just being like, okay, this percentage correlates with that. That's what I'm throwing on the podcast. Yeah, that's so I that's what I did with RP
0: five, and I still think I undershot it. Which that, that was is, the funny thing when we undershot RP five with my deadlift. That was one of them. Like, wait, I undershot an RP five. I'm like, I didn't know you could do that. So, yeah. but it happens. But um, yeah, hopefully, uh, well, we'll see. We'll see if you program some RP fours and fives in this uh, next block. Now, <laughs> I will never program a four. That is not going to happen. All right, Never. well, yeah, because I, I dread fives enough as it is, so that's good. But, yeah, man, thanks for coming on again. Actually, I gave Noriega the title of the most reoccurring guest that we've had, but I think you're just going to keep winning by default, right, because Noriega doesn't coach me. So you're just going to come on at random times just beating him for that. Yeah, so. Congratulations. So congratulations. But,
1: hey, that's
0: okay. Congratulations. You're essentially a co-host of Two White Lights.
1: Hey, I'll take it, man. Uh,
0: I love this podcast. Uh, ah, thanks, man. There's no bias. There's no bias in that. Tone. No, not at all. Yeah, but uh, we did get Candido on, so that works. All right, man. Thanks for coming on, and uh, I'll talk to you probably next week. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. Peace. What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights.